welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Now, many of you know that content marketing is the only marketing left, and Seth Godin said that a really long time ago. But it seems like there's still this strange, slow, snail-like adoption to the fact that you actually have to create engaging content. I met my guest through a friend of a friend of a friend, which is how you get on this show. You can't just come to the show and be like, I want to be on your show. I say no, and I delete your email. And then Zoe and I had a great, what we call a pre-call, and I just love how she views content. So this is Zoe Margaret. She is the CEO, founder, everything of Perfectly Planned Content. Zoe, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you about content. All right. Well, so let, let's talk a little bit about your journey before we really dive into philosophically what you believe about content. So how did you, what do you, why'd you do this? Oh boy. Why does anybody do anything in entrepreneurship, right? <laughs> I had started out as a salesperson for a trucking company, which, you know, believe it or not, was about as dry as it sounds, uh, but really enjoyed just the personal relationship building. And I had kind of gotten sold on the role because it was supposed to have more content involved, right? Uh, and then it, it didn't. And shocker, a lot of those roles kind of don't. And I find a lot of advisors have the same experience, right? They start in thinking they're going to be an advisor. It's actually more of a sales sort of position. And then they end up kind of charting their own path, which is exactly what happened with me. Uh, I was an English major, graduated from Michigan State University. I know we're both uh, Michigan folks, which is awesome. And so I had kind of bounced around with these different sales jobs early in my career, didn't love any of them and was finally just kind of like, you know what, I think I can do this. I want to take a crack at it. I want to try writing and editing and was kind of working with anybody who had a pulse, which I think is also the tale of a lot of entrepreneurs. But I had a couple of friends in personal finance and in financial planning, just found that I really connected with the content. It's always been a personal interest of mine. I was like the weird high school student who uh, took a lot of different personal finance courses just on my own free time. It's sort of a nerd here and just really enjoyed it. Clicked in with that niche, kind of got into the XY planning network world. And now we're here. That was in 2016, which feels wild to say. Well, an XY Planning Network is an unbelievable network. And for those of you who don't know what that is, or for I don't know how you could not know what it is, it is an absolutely fantastic network. It's an actual real network of financial planners and financial advisors who want to help each other. And then there's super cool people like Zoe. There's other uh, professionals in the network that can help you become just an overall better advisor. So what are some of the things that you're seeing are the biggest hurdles that advisors have creating the kind of content that you know works? Well, I think one of the biggest hurdles is that advisors just aren't comfortable talking about themselves. They understand that they're very connected with the people they work with. They love building those relationships. They love the planning. But when they got started in entrepreneurship or founding their own practice or what have you, building their book of business, they didn't realize they also had to wear the chief marketing officer hat, right? And so the idea of talking about themselves, promoting their services, coming up with their sort of elevator pitch, so to speak, 
feels really foreign and uncomfortable to them. And so rather than trying it and getting started, they just kind of stall and don't do anything. So our job is to try and help them from a consulting standpoint, figure out what that why mission statement is, figure out a scalable plan that doesn't feel intimidating and steer them away from the what they should be doing. We always say like, don't should yourself, right? Uh, and instead try to figure out what works best for them and their practice so that they can really capture their story and connect with ideal clients instead of marketing for marketing's sake. Storytelling is so vital. And, and it's funny, when we talk to advisors who are using our podcasting solution, stories are so, it's an integral comment. It's a, it is, it is the way that the podcast is formatted. It's, it's what people connect with because people connect with stories. And when we bring it up, they're like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I just, don't you just tell stories in meetings? They're like, well, of course I do. <laughs> All right. So how do you pull that, Zoe, out of their brain and start creating content? It's so funny that you say, don't you tell stories in meetings? Because one of the first things we recommend for advisors who don't know where to start is literally to record their meetings and to go back and listen to them. Because more often than not, you're going to find... Uh, just a treasure trove of case studies, of client questions, of the questions you hear again and again and again from clients that probably warrant a podcast or a blog post or some sort of question and answer. You know, Google really prefers question and answer format content anyway. So the more you can answer relevant questions, the more you solidify yourself as an expert. So for our team, particularly, we love meeting recordings. We often encourage advisors, especially because writing is sort of our bread and butter. Uh, we respect the podcast and video world. It's just not where our expertise lies. And so actually what we recommend is, hey, if you're going to record a meeting, do like a three minute loom video after your client leaves the room, just recapping how you felt, like what was your key takeaway? And then shoot that over to us. And most advisors are so comfortable in meetings and talking that starting that conversation for them is easy. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh gosh, like that's probably like 10 different blog topics, right? That I just didn't even know I had in my brain. And so using Loom, using recording tools like that, a lot of advisors we know use voice to text on their phone even just can really help them pull those stories out. And then from there, we have no behind the scenes process of developing outlines and forms and systems and scheduling phone calls with clients, stuff like that as well, just to help them get from A to B. One of the things that I really liked about you is as like we, we are uh, at Proudmouth, we're a highly structured organization because if you're going to produce content to the level that you do and that we do, you got to have the great systems in place. Let's talk about the systems a little bit because I know you know this, Zoe, but advisors love systems too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so an advisor has an idea, hey, I want to be able to have this piece of content out can you walk us through a little bit of that process? So let's say they're in a client meeting, they've recorded the meeting, 10 topics come out because that always happens. And you have isolated and said, okay, out of these 10, let's choose one or two. Then what happens from there? Yeah. So our team does a variety of things kind of on the back end that advisors often don't really see that process. So I think this is kind of cool, right? That we can bring that to light. So what we do is we're going to go ahead and take those topics or that brain dump of ideas, so to speak. And we create a content calendar, usually for six to 12 months at a time. We like most topics to be evergreen because we also have a client resource vault that covers things that are not evergreen, right? So we release sort of templated content about student loan forgiveness, the fact that it went to the courts, right? Like things that maybe clients want their clients to know more about, but they don't necessarily want eating up space in their content calendar because it's not going to last very long, right? It'll kind of die on the vine. It's not going to be relevant for five to 10 years. So once we build out that evergreen content calendar, 
we have a bunch of tools at our disposal for keyword research, SEO research. We run different headlines through like headline analyzers. Then from there, we run topics by advisors, kind of get the final thumbs up. Usually we do like a video conversation for that where we buzz through and say, hey, are we missing anything here? Like, let's just gut check these and kind of go back and forth. And oftentimes it'll even spur more ideas that kind of gets us even further in the content calendar. I find this is really useful, right? Because as you know, Matt, it's, no one wants to feel surprised by their content. Everyone kind of wants to know what's going on. If your marketing is a surprise, you're not, that something's going wrong, right? So uh, once we kind of build that out, we go ahead behind the scenes, we have a form system using Google Forms where we build out outlines. And we literally have like check boxes. Is this approved? Yes, no, yes with additions. We have recommendations for adding case studies and stories, loom recordings at the bottom. They can link that. Uh, just very helpful, robust forms so that they can really see exactly what they're getting. Again, no surprises. Drafting happens, editing, submission. It's really end to end. We put it on their website for them and format it for SEO, all of that good stuff. Check boxes, back and forths you know, six to 12 month evergreen sort of content. I mean, you, this is one of the reasons I wanted you on the show, uh, not because then it just justifies our madness here that we're not totally alone in how we think about this stuff. But I just love, thank you for, you know, kind of lifting the hood and letting people see the engine uh, because a lot of people don't usually get to see that. Now, let's talk about the content itself. What are you seeing that's working the best right now? Well, and it's so funny that you asked that because I feel like it's shifted recently. So my team and I just attended the Digital Marketing Summit in Seattle, which was very informative, hugely helpful, loved it. We're all virtual, so it was nice to meet and chat in person anyways. But what we really liked was learning more about the type of content that was performing. And oddly enough, it was exactly what we had kind of already been recommending to advisors, which was building what is called like a hub and spoke model, right? And Matt, I'm sure you guys do this as well, right? Where the hub is sort of a keyword an advisor might want to focus on, or that might be a relevant key question that they're hearing a lot in prospect meetings, or we call them like trigger points, right? So things that make advisors, their clients come into the top of the funnel for these reasons, right? They're buying a home, they're retiring. Those are common trigger points. Then that hub piece of content is often, it could be a long podcast, it could be a webinar, it could be what we call like a pillar post. So really long blog posts, like 2000 plus words, that could be converted into an ebook or something like that. And the spokes coming off of that could be a 30 minute podcast talking through that 2000 plus word blog post, a infographic, social media graphics, short 30 second sound bites, a variety of different options there that support that pillar content. Then Google will recognize that as a campaign and you'll end up kind of ranking better for those keywords and have more of a structured SEO strategy. I don't think people really truly understand that when you have coordinated marketing like this, how not only are your clients and your prospects and your centers of influence going to want to consume your information because it's easier and it actually, I don't know, makes sense. And if you want more, you can get more. And then the final more is that meeting with you. This is this is wonderful. So how many people were at this conference? Was this a big one? It was pretty small. And what we found out after the fact was, so we flew all the way out to Seattle from, you know, we're virtual, we're kind of all over the place, but largely central Eastern time zones. Uh, and when we flew out, we realized there was like one in Kansas City, a bunch of much closer options, but we all just kind of wanted to go to Seattle. So yeah, and it was relative, it was super informative. So if you are a CEO or an advisor, 
definitely look it up and try and figure out if there's one near you because I felt like it was hugely helpful, even if you're not in the marketing space 24 seven. Well, I, I just gotten back. The reason why I was asking, I just got back recently from a podcast movement, which had 3000 podcasters there. Uh, and it was crazy big. Um, but first off, it doesn't matter the size of it. It matters the, the the quality of the content, which is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it is really Seattle's cool, man. So, you know, a, a business trip, you get to hang out with your team members. All right. Let, let's talk about focus. So a lot of times advisors will say, I want to talk about Roth conversions. Okay. And so there's, there's your hub. The whole thing's going to be about Roth conversions. What do you think about targeting and, and niches or niches or however you pronounce that? What, what do you think about any of that with, with the content that you create? Well, I think that a lot of advisors really internalize this idea. And it's almost like a advisor marketing trauma, right? I call it of like, I need to have a niche. I need to work with doctors, right? Like that's, that's for whatever reason, the niche I hear come up a lot in meetings and advisors almost like have a chip on their shoulder about this. Zoe, I want content, but I don't work with just doctors. So, and I'm like, why is physicians suddenly like the niche to have? But, and I think that physicians can be a great niche. I'm not knocking that, but we usually try and focus on a more broad like client avatar buckets, right? Typically advisors aren't just going to have one niche. If you do, that's awesome. I bet your marketing is a cakewalk and that's fantastic for you. But a lot of bigger firms, especially multi-advisor firms with multiple locations, often have two or three different kind of prototypes of ideal clients. We really try and help them build those out and focus not just on their uh, in demographic, right? So the doctors, the retirees, what have you, but also the psychographic. So focusing on what's motivating them. So if you want to write about Roth conversions, great. We can write a fact-based, research-based, uh, opinion-based post about that. But who is it going to? Is it going to somebody who wants to leave a legacy, who wants to focus on sustainable investing or impact? Is it someone who's really focused on hey, I don't want to be a millionaire. I just want to spend more time with my grandkids, right? What's the psychographic or the motivator behind those posts? And then you can kind of structure your content and your spoke content around those pieces. I love, we, we talk about, it's, uh, we call it Mike, my ideal client. And my favorite part about that is when an advisor closes their eyes, they should be able to not only see the person in a demographic standpoint, but they should be able to understand them from that psychographic standpoint. I, I, I love that. I just believe that that makes your content content just explode with opportunities because again, Roth conversion stuff can be really boring, but if you're hitting on the actual psychological foundation behind it or the why behind it to cynic this kind of out a little bit, man, that creates much more engaging content. And it's probably a lot easier for the advisor to write and your professional team to write too. Is that true? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. As long as we know, who we're writing to, people always joke like, A, we're pretty boutique, right? So we only have like a maximum of 30 clients at any given time ongoing. But B, most advisors are still kind of questioning in this world of canned content, how do I know I'm going to get something unique? How can you write about social security that many times in different ways? And the answer is every advisor has a unique psychographic niche, demographic niche, unique approach to what they would recommend and how they recommend it. And so to your point, creating content that really focuses on those things ultimately sets you apart and kind of warms up your ideal leads, right? To get to know you better, understand your approach and sounds corny, but like your vibe, right? And that's what they're going to connect with. Not anyone can say, hey, here's 
a fact-based article about social security. But what people want is who you are in that context. Let's talk about voice. We hear this all the time here at Proudmouth. It's unbelievable that your team can write like it's coming from me. How do you guys do that? Yeah, and honestly, it's not easy, right? A lot of people kind of assume it's just advisor content. All advisors probably sound kind of the same. Very incorrect. I feel like everybody's dramatically different. And so we've done a couple of different things. A lot of advisors are pretty self-aware and have a good idea of kind of what they want to sound like. So do they want to be super formal? Do they want to be ultra approachable? We had one advisor say, I'm more likely to meet with clients on a basketball court in my sweatpants than I am like in a suit and tie in a meeting room, right? Great. That gives us so much context and information. That's fantastic. But we have also for advisors who maybe have never done this before or are just unsure, haven't ever approached content, don't really even know what their ideal tone is, we've developed sort of a brand infographic that lets them see, here are sort of our four tone types, which sounds right to you. And we've got samples, we have what sort of the end goal is for those. So for example, we might have like the professional, the informative, educational, and people can read through those work samples and say, okay, I thought that maybe I was informal. That's kind of my vibe in meetings, but I actually am more drawn to a professional educational tone and they can kind of self-select based on the information that we provide them. That is freaking awesome. It's been very convenient. We just rolled it out this year and I have to credit my team. I did not come up with this. So they, um, they, they've done a fantastic job of putting it together. I want to get back to the, I want to, it's just going to seem repetitive, but I just think this is such an important thing to drive home. The number one objection that I always hear about creating content, whether that's audio, video, blogs, whatever, quote memes doesn't matter, is Matt, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And Zoe, what you said early on in the show, I just want to highlight again that you're creating content every time you sit down with a client or a prospect or a center of influence. Let's talk a little bit about the organization of that. So an advisor comes to you and, and, and she says, oh my gosh, uh, I just had this amazing meeting. I recorded it. You guys need to write about this. So you get the topic. Let's talk about the, the, the back and forth because that's one of the things that um, you know advisors don't really understand that there's still work involved. So I've outsourced my content to you, Zoe, and your team, and you guys are killing it, but I still have to participate as the advisor. Can you talk a little bit about what that participation looks like in the time involved? Yeah, absolutely. So typically the back and forth involved for content development and topic development can look a couple different ways, right? It can look like some advisors are like, hey, I just want to pass you recordings or ideas when they pop into my brain. I'm going to shoot it off to you via email. I don't want to hear from you basically until we have the final blog. That's okay. Like you can be as hands off or as hands on as you want. We have other advisors who want to like meet, have us join meetings, like really get a sense of how they do things. There's no wrong answer. I feel like a lot of advisors feel like there's a right way to do content. There's not. There's a thousand different ways to pull it off. So then what our team does is once we get kind of those initial topic ideas, a lot of times it's even just, I listened to this podcast. I was listening to the advisor marketing podcast and another advisor said X, Y, Z. I want to maybe tackle that topic and here's my hot take on it or whatever the case may be. We always keep a running list. And I always recommend to for our advisors who aren't necessarily clients to do this as well. So that could be in Evernote, it could be a note on your phone, it could be just a running draft email that you keep or a spreadsheet where you just jot down ideas as they pop into your brain. And then you always can revisit it when the well has run dry, right? So if you're feeling less than creative, 
writer's block doesn't exist when you're a business owner, you've got to power through. So figuring out, all right, what topics can I revisit? What makes sense? And then also making sure that you're not covering too broad of topics, right? So a lot of times a full meeting, like we had said previously, right, could come up with five to 10 blog topics or podcast topics right within that meeting. You don't want to try and cover all five in one post. It won't work. You're going to be covering too much ground. Um, and, and you you laugh because we both have seen this probably happen and it's always a nightmare. So figuring out how to sort of dissect those and make them into smaller kernel topics, right, also gives you more room to run, right? You've got a longer list of topics. You've got a more robust calendar, a better hub and spoke model, all of that good stuff as well. Hub and spoke. I, I just want everybody to know, you know, I'm always looking for in these podcasts, something that I know that all of you are really going to be able to sink your teeth in. And, and, and I think the hub and spoke idea is the best. When, when you have your content marketing working, it should look like that. It should have that centralized location where people can continue to get deeper and deeper into your brain, your personality, who you are and what you do and what makes you unique and different. And I think that's fantastic. But you said something that I get resistance on, and I want to know what you think about this. You've been doing this for a while. You said revisit. Now, I'm taking that a little bit more literally because advisors will say to me, you know, there are a hundred podcasts in, and they're like, Matt, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know. We got a hundred pieces of content that you just did. Why don't you revisit one of those? And they'll say to me, well, why would I want to do it again? And so here's my analogy. And I want you to tell me if I'm way off. I was like, okay, you're in the car. You're listening to the radio. What happens when a song you love comes on? Do you skip it because you've heard it before? Of course not. No, you sing along with it, right? There's got to be a repetitive nature to your content to drive your brand message home. And on top of that, you used Hot Take, which I love. Let's say you, you did a, a podcast two years ago on inflation. Well, guess what? This is probably a good idea to address that again. I'm so changed. let's talk about the reuse <laughs> of content. How do you guys do that and what are your feelings? Gosh, yes. We call it working your archives. Exact same concept. And we get a bunch of resistance on it too, where it's like, well, okay, we're looking at Google Analytics and we see that post X about how Gen Y, whether or not Gen Y should purchase a home that was published five years ago is still ranking really well. It's still driving traffic, blah, blah, blah. Why wouldn't you take that post, make it a multimedia post, embed an infographic, do a quick three minute video that you can embed at the top of it to keep people on the page for longer? Uh, if you want to look at it just from a scientific perspective, right, because we're all a big believer in the fact that marketing is 50% creative, 50% science. And it's, if you look at it from that perspective, you're just playing Google's game, right? So if this post is ranking well, and I know that topic is driving traffic, I could create new content, I could go back and for us, because we do written, it's a little bit different than podcasting, right? Uh, for podcasting, you might need to record a full new episode. But for a written blog post, go back and make it longer, reformat it based on the new Google algorithm to make sure it's ranking well for keywords you want, include a new call to action, really ramp it up. If you know it's driving traffic, make it sticky on the top of your blog page. <laughs> there's like 10 different things you can do to work your archives to make sure they're still working for you. And kind of like I said earlier, not dying on the vine where no one wants to spend that much time creating content for it to get published once and then go into the void, right? Like that's completely besides the point. We actually talk about recycling. So one of my favorite uh, podcasts ever is a podcast called Stuff You Should Know. And I, I, I pitch it here all the time because it is just unbelievably so well produced. But here's the fun part. There are like 900 episodes in. So it's insane how many episodes these guys have done. Two guys. But what they'll do is every once in a while, they'll do one from the vault. 
And I think this is so smart. They record a new intro. They record a new outro. They update it. And they'll actually like pause like, oh, hey, we're going to stop this. Oh, you know, the, the vaulted podcast here because there's new information. Oh, my God. They're my favorite episodes because it shows that they're paying attention. They constantly want to be updating their information. Advisors work so hard on wanting to create new ideas and new content. They don't realize that there's just so much gold in the stuff that they've already created. All right. So, so my favorite question for you is this. What should I have asked you that I didn't? I think a lot of advisors really struggle with the concept of where does content fit into my funnel? And I think that I'm sure that you get this question too. Like a lot of advisors come to us because they want lead generation. That's the number, especially right heading into a potential recession. How can I get more leads? How can I get more bodies in the door, serve more families? And part of that is I want to do more good in the world, which I'm all for. I think that's fantastic. And But part of that is fear, right? Part of that is... I want to continue growing and I need content to do that for me. I need to push the needle in that direction. But I think content can also serve a really strong and valuable purpose to nurture current client relationships, make those stickier, uh, get more referrals because you're doing more good for people who you already serve and who already are your number one fans. And so as far as like content fitting into a marketing funnel for advisors, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a blog, whether you do all of the above, right? Make sure that it's working for you on multiple levels, because again, no one should put that much time, energy, if you're outsourcing it, dollars into content that's just serving one purpose. So making sure that it's good for leads, informative, solidifies you as the expert, but that it also is being used as a client communication nurture tool, making sure that it's ultra affordable, right? <laughs> like how can people send that on to friends, get more of your ideal clients in the door? So I think that's the number one thing that we hear a lot of that people are like, a little shocked about like, oh, I could use this for client communication. I'm like, yes, that's the whole point. So I think that that is probably the number one, I guess, misconception about content that I think is really interesting. I, I've, uh, I've done presentations all over the place on the five ROIs of, of content. Uh, we talk about podcasting. It's really content. It's really influence. And number one is it's the best client communication tool you'll ever have. And in fact, when you're looking on return on investment, there are a lot of aspects that are very, very difficult to measure. Client retention is number one. That article that your team wrote for that advisor might have saved that client, but you're never going to know. The other thing too, and this is going to sound really corny so just bear with my corniness here you had said this could end up being an ebook or, or things like that the content that you all create the content that we create when professional content creators are making stuff for you it's art and i, I really can't stress that enough great writing is art great storytelling is art great video movie is art Think about it that way too. The, what you're doing is you're connecting with people on a on almost like a, a heartfelt level, not just a head felt level. And great content really fires on all of those sorts of emotional anchors that will make your content remembered. All right, Zoe, well, I'm sure that there's going to be people who want to reach out to you. Where should they go? Yes. So if you go to our website, perfectlyplannedcontent.com forward slash start dash here, that start here page, it's up in our top line menu as well, has everything you need to know. We tried to make like one landing page hub for folks so they could hop on and just see where to book a call with us, the different services we offer, uh, all of our like free resources, DIY marketing type of content is there as well. Uh, we've got our blog linked up on that page, a little bit about our why. So that's where we always recommend people. Listen, head. for everybody listening right now, number one, I don't care what kind of content you create. 
I, I, we're a podcasting company. That's great, right? I don't care if you do videos. I don't care if you do blogs. I don't care if you do eBooks. Listen, I don't care if you do speeches and that's your number one way to create content and get your voice out in the marketplace. The simple fact remains is you have to create content that makes your audience feel like it's a conversation, not a presentation. That's what great content does. And I know that that's what Zoe and her team does at Perfectly Playing Content. All right, Zoe, well, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate your brain and appreciate everything you're doing for our industry. Thanks, Matt, and thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Now, we don't really talk a lot about long-form content on the Pod Rocket Academy, but I'd really love for you to go. It is free. It's a great opportunity for you to be able to dip your toe in the world of creating content. In fact, the Podcasting 101 course is the best place for you to start. I teach you everything you could possibly ever need to know about starting a podcast, and it's freaking free. So just join. That would be great. So for Zoe and all of us here at uh, uh, Pod... Goodness gracious. Anyway, I'll talk to you guys later. We'll see ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.